0: 재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵.
1: Bringing you stimulating discussions on current affairs. Discover the best of news and current affairs. Prime time on TBS EFM.
0: Last month, the United Nations hosted its first summit-level meeting to address the current refugee and migrant crisis, which is being described as the worst of its kind since the end of World War II, with a record 65 million people being forcibly displaced from their homes in the year 2015. Alone, the Office of the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, also known as the UN Refugee Agency, is at the forefront of the humanitarian response to this crisis and to help us learn more. We're honored and delighted to have a very special guest joining us none other than the High Commissioner for United Nations Refugee Agency himself, Mr. Filippo Grandi. Hello Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Judging from both the uh, statistical data as well as um, eyewitness accounts from observers, are we indeed facing uh, one of the worst refugees crises, in your view, in the uh, post-World War II era?
1: Well, um, I don't know if you can speak of one crisis. Really, what is happening is a multiplication of different refugee crises, that uh, have now added up to the largest uh, population of concern to my organization that has ever existed since the second world war 65 million people between refugees that is people that have fled through international borders but also internally displaced people these are people that are refugees in their own countries and uh, um, other people that uh, uh, we, uh, we are mandated, we are tasked with uh, helping governments care for. So yes, definitely a very serious situation.
0: Certainly uh, a lot of media attention being paid to situations like Syria uh, and I understand it's a very difficult task. How has the UNHCR responded to aid the victims of these uh, mass displacements especially in those conflict zones like Syria?
1: Um, we um, We have uh, expanded our uh, operations to face uh, these many crises. Syria is a very good example that you are giving. You know, Syria is a country which has uh, an estimated, say, 25 million people, half of whom are now exiled from their homes, either inside Syria or in neighboring countries. So we had to deploy thousands of people to those countries to help uh, governments, in the case of neighboring countries, and to work alongside with many other humanitarian organizations to, uh, first of all, give uh, vital relief, shelter, medicines, food to the people that are fleeing. But also, uh, after many years of this crisis, Syria started in 2011, so we are in the sixth year of the war and of the refugee crisis, also starting to think about the longer term, how can children continue to go to school when they are in exile? How can uh, families have access to income through jobs when they are not living at home? These are important questions that we have been grappling with uh, in Syria, but also in many other large and protracted refugee situations in the Middle East, in Africa, and elsewhere.
0: And certainly uh, with uh, the mass displacements that have taken place it has also resulted in uh, i suppose to put it uh, flippantly some side effects uh, you, we see the situation in europe and if you only follow western uh, media uh, they talk a lot about the social upheaval and how there's been a rise of extreme far-right sentiment uh, these people, of course, need help and there needs to be a coordination uh, with various countries in uh, Europe. Do you believe the European Union needs a better coordinated migration policy uh, in order to better cope with this situation?
1: Definitely. But uh, your question uh, gives me the opportunity to maybe explain this a bit more in depth. Um, we should not forget that of those 65 million people that I spoke about, mm-hmm. um, live not in the rich world they live in developing countries often uh, they're hosted by communities that are very poor in Africa in the Middle East so the bulk of the problem is there and this is where we need to invest resources this is where also states like Europe but also Korea Japan, Australia, the United States, Canada, we need to do more to invest resources where refugees are Now, what happened, especially in Syria, is that there wasn't sufficient investment. After some years of exile, people said, well, our kids cannot go to school. We cannot have jobs. So they started moving on. And where did they go? They moved towards Europe. That was the attraction. So we had last year one million, not only Syrians, but many Syrians, but also Afghans, Iraqis, and other refugees, pouring into Europe. And this caused... A backlash. Europe was not prepared. The systems to receive these people, as you said, were not uh, sufficiently developed. Above all, there was no solidarity between European states to divide up this uh, this uh, big influx. So they ended up going in few countries and burdening those countries and creating a political backlash and increasing the sentiment of xenophobia of rejection, which is very difficult to handle. We need Europe, we need the global north to have a better system of responsibility sharing.
0: It, it was a perfect storm type of situation as well, as you say. Uh, the infrastructure wasn't in place there. Uh, it, it happened suddenly. Uh, the uh, the structures from the European side wasn't there. And also, there's this global economic malaise. And uh, hypothetically, if, if Europe was growing at 5% per year, perhaps um, a lot of those concerns would have been a little bit, I suppose, less severe in your view?
1: Yes, Europe uh, traditionally... Um, uh, received, has always received refugees, and uh, uh, was ready to continue to receive them in small numbers. It was the big numbers that really made the difference, together with the other factors that you mentioned. But, you know, nowadays, human mobility is inevitable. We have this huge refugee crisis all over the world. We have conflicts, Creating displacement, but not only conflict, also poverty, climate change, and other factors. So I think that we need to accept that people move more easily and we need to be able to manage those flows in a more organized manner. First and foremost, as I said, by investing more at the origin to try to prevent those big flows from happening unnecessarily. And then, since they will continue to an extent to happen being able to share better these flows at the point of arrival so there's a lot of work to be done at all levels and i must say that although the crisis had many negative aspects last year especially the arrivals of people in europe it also triggered an important debate on responsibility sharing Mm. which uh, culminated a few weeks ago uh, in the summit discussions in new york
0: When we, uh, and you mentioned that summit discussion, uh, can you give us your sense, especially as the High Commissioner, uh, how much progress was made? You you do sound more optimistic coming out of that uh, summit in terms of how, I I guess, the global community can better cope with this crisis.
1: The big uh, shift, in my opinion, has been, for the time being, in the way we think of uh, refugee crisis it's not anymore only a humanitarian problem of course it's a humanitarian problem as well of course we will continue to need tents and blankets and medicines and food to respond to, to respond to these crises but i think we need to think long term as well uh, we need to think about the economic opportunities of these people about education like i said about how we solve their problem how about how we we share the burden and i think Uh, There is a fundamental change in that finally the international community has now said, in a way, uh, migrants and refugees are a global issue, Mm. are not a localized issue that is only of concern to the next country, is a global issue that needs global responses, just like, for example, we are thinking now of climate change, or we're thinking about epidemics. These are not anymore localized factors, these are global factors that need global responses. And this was the subject in New York. The trick now is to translate those intentions that were very well put in a big declaration called the New York Declaration, the trick is to translate them into concrete mechanisms, concrete laws, concrete responses and this is what we're working on now
0: and a small part of that response uh, being a member of that global community is south korea uh... we've had a chance in the past to interview uh, refugees who have managed to make it here to South Korea and they have often talked about the the intense difficulties they have being in limbo stuck at airports for many months at a time not knowing what their full status is and it is not to paint a picture of South Korea as a very ungenerous country but what more can a country like South Korea relatively wealthy also the benefactor of uh, uh, many uh, efforts by the global community post Korean war uh, how can South Korea better respond to this crisis in your view?
1: Um, I think South Korea is part of a relatively small number of countries that are really shifting towards seeing themselves as a global player in in line, in, in, in sync with its growing economic power. And that is very good. And I think it is good that Korea increasingly, I'm I'm looking at the bigger picture here, sees this as applicable also to its refugee policies. Uh, We have seen Korea grow, for example, as a donor to UNHCR. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not only the Korean government has become a, what I would say, a medium donor, but a growing one to refugee programs, but also its citizens, are now among the biggest givers to refugee causes and this is very positive because i think it means that it's not just a political choice of the government but something that is growing in in public awareness that we need to we need to be part of this effort we need to share the effort now there is of course the question of people arriving in korea but there's been an increase in asylum application uh, uh, in uh, in um, in Korea, in um, uh, 19,000 uh, 19, as of July twenty sixteen, this is a figure that uh, has almost doubled every year since two thousand and thirteen. And fifteen hundred have been recognized as refugees or have been given a humanitarian status. This is positive. Mm. This is not. This needs to be expanded and. This takes time, it requires good systems, and it requires also acceptance on the part of the population. I'm not underestimating the challenges there, but I think that the Korean government is serious about tackling them, and I want to commend it.
0: Hopefully it does continue to trend in that uh, positive direction. Uh, We're going to have to leave it there, but uh, Commissioner Grandi, thank you so much for your time, and really appreciate all the hard work that you've been doing. Thank you very much for your interest. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was our special guest, the High Commissioner for the United Nations Refugee Agency, Filippo Grandi.